1: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. Today we've got a packed pod, uh, Ole Solskjaer's future is being questioned once again. Mircea Pochettino mentioned in reports with regards to replacing him. We've got news on Pep Guardiola and signings and difficulties with signings at Manchester City, as well as, of course, the Leiths update on Heumann Son's new contract at Tottenham Hotspur. (laughs) I'm delighted to say that uh, Duncan Castles joins me, Ian McGarry, uh, back on the pod after his pursuit oh. to find the elusive David Neri butterfly. Duncan, please keep us up to date. What's going on with Dave Nery's butterfly?
0: Well, yeah, I actually took that week off to move houses and we have moved to a house that has Dave Neri's butterfly in the garden, would you believe? So it's been a very successful busy busy week quite a lot has happened in football quite radical changes to the perceptions <laughs> of uh of certain managers uh, futures and success but uh yeah good to be back excellent to have you
1: back and has Dave Neary's butterfly scored an amazing goal against Brazil yet that's my biggest <laughs> question
0: <laughs> we've got them working on it there's a little training area in the back garden oh
1: uh, a butterfly football training area. <laughs> <laughs> this, this truly is utopia. <laughs> Let's start then, Duncan, with uh, OGS at the wheel. Um, very, very uh, dismal performance from Manchester United in Istanbul against Basakir, uh in midweek. Uh, clearly, um, even by Solskjaer's own admission, uh, very, very rudimentary. Mistakes in defence. Pochettino, as we reported on the podcast a week ago, has been asking his representatives to actively market him because he's getting bored of being out of work. Something which, of course, was signified by his unexpected appearance on uh, Sky on their Monday Night Football, where he was effectively advertising himself as a gun for hire. Uh, And now, uh, he definitely has been spoken to. And Manchester United, we understand, Duncan, have asked to be kept up to date with any uh, offers that Pochettino has because, there. let's face it, there's a lack of elite coaches out there who could take the job on should they decide to terminate Solskjaer's appointment as Manchester United manager. We know that Manchester City are also interested, and we know that Real Madrid are also interested. What's your take on this? Because it does seem to me that there's a momentum now, which perhaps there hasn't been in the past, with regards to um, Solskjaer's ability to progress Manchester United going forward. And therefore, whereas in the past, the club have been very stubborn, about um, defending him, backing him, and protecting him. It may well be the case that that will change, especially if there are more bad results uh, over the weekend and perhaps the next, uh, well, there's an international break, obviously, which, of course, historically is a graveyard time for bad results for managers um, in the Premier League.
0: Well... you know, there was a degree of surprise that they lost to so badly to Bashak Shahir, but um, I think it, it, we know here on the Transfer Podcast that every team is doomed against teams that play in Tangerine and Black, so I think um, we should give them a little bit of latitude for that. I, d- I think what Manchester United can't afford to give them latitude for is this repeat pattern in the way the team plays. Um, we see these sets of excellent results against top sides um most recently against Paris Saint-Germain and then a, a comprehensive victory over Leipzig who I think you have to remember is not are not as strong as they were last season but still uh, an impressive win from them they're able to beat the top teams um relatively often um uh, certainly more often you'd expect given Solskjaer's over all win record as a uh, Manchester United manager where he's on 32 wins out of 65 since uh, in total at, in the Premier League and 22 out of 52 since his, his permanent appointment. But um, what is very obvious is he doesn't have a second system, a way of playing against teams who don't make it easy for his team to play. The thing they're good at is sitting deep, um, working quite hard in midfield, Feeding their fast forwards and scoring goals in the counter attack, and that has brought those good results. When teams refuse to take them on in those terms, especially when good teams refuse to take them on these on those terms, as Arsenal did um, at the weekend, then the odds are that the good teams will beat them. And quite often, teams that, that shouldn't be beating Manchester United are beating them. So you have Crystal Palace at the start of the season as one example of many. Um, now, this has gone on for so long now, it's an established pattern, and it's gone on with a lot of money spent in the transfer market. No, Solskjaer has not got every player he wanted. Jaden Sancho is the obvious example here, but Manchester United made a point, Edward made a point in the latest investors call about talking about how they had made a greater net investment in players over um, the last three transfer windows he thought than any other club in European football. Now I haven't checked whether his statistics are right on that, but they're certainly not far off. So there has been a lot of investment in Solskjaer's squad. There's this argument that um, the players are letting him down and the players need to be changed uh, and he, he, he can't properly succeed without having his own squad to work with. Well, the team that lost in Istanbul, In the weekend, 10 of the 11 players he started were either players that had been brought in, purchased by the club, some of them for very significant fees, like Harry Maguire, the world record transfer fee for a defender, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Bruno Fernandes. Either bought for him and by him, and as he has said himself, he has the final say on any player going in and out of the club, and he's said this on more than one occasion, or they've been handed lucrative new contracts under him. So this squad is this the players, the majority of the players he's working with, certainly the ones he's putting in, into that game in Istanbul and has been using for the majority of the games this season are players he has decided either to bring to the club or to retain to the club uh, or to promote, you know, give them greater importance in the squad. So this is, you know, it's his squad, it's his way of playing, and he's only found one way of playing that is. Regularly effective against stronger teams in uh, the opponents that they face and isn't regularly effective against weaker teams. And you cannot see this pattern of play producing a Premier League challenge or a Champions League challenge for Manchester United. Now, Manchester United, the Glazers might not care about that. They might be happy carrying on getting Champions League qualification. Um, the fans backing enough of the fans backing Solskjaer that they don't have to change but there also is a consideration and we've seen this before we've seen this with every manager that has gone post Sir Alex Ferguson that the, the Glazers would, would come to a point where they have doubts about the manager and they start looking for replacements they did it with Van Gaal they, they lined that um, deal up before Moyes had gone, they did it with Mourinho. That deal was lined up far in advance of Louis van Gaal being sacked. And they started to work on it with Mourinho himself. So Solskjaer, a little bit ahead of time, they were preparing themselves for a change of management there. It has to be said that Manchester United are briefing off-record, so they're not committing themselves to this in print or uh, on audio. Um, but they're briefing that they are substantially behind Solskjaer. They don't have doubts in the project that he is not going to be dismissed. But again, historically, we've seen this from Manchester United. They will brief off record that they have faith in their manager. In fact, if you listen to what Louis van Gaal uh, has, has talked about his time as, as Manchester United manager, he will tell you that, that Ed Woodward basically lied to his face over his decision to change um, job to Josie Mourinho or to change coach um, so they are happy to say one thing even to the people they employ about what their intentions are and to prepare replacements should they decide they need to make, push the button and make a change and I think that's what you're seeing with Maurizio Pochettino as we've said many times Pochettino was a candidate when Van Gaal was being um, put on the chopping block and he was the alternative proposal to Jose Mourinho. There were conversations. Pochettino did not, uh, if you talk to people close to him at that point, he wasn't convinced it was the right job for him to take. He wasn't convinced it was the right time to leave Tottenham. He felt it would be a difficult club to work at at that point in his career. In the end, the job was offered to Mourinho instead. But Pochettino has been on their list for a long time and there have been these background conversations with Pochettino's people about the possibility of him coming to Manchester United in the period since he's been dismissed by Tottenham. I think the problem they have here is they're not necessarily shoo-ins to hire him if they offer him the job. Um, Pochettino is probably the most accomplished or certainly the most attractive out-of-work manager on the market at the moment. You could argue that Max Allegri is is maybe a, a safer bet if you're going across European clubs, but Pochettino has that ex, that experience and expertise of coaching in England. He knows the division. It seems that he would prefer to continue in the division um, rather than move overseas. Um, so you you have a proven product there, um, but there. Manchester United are not the only club who may be in need of a replacement manager soon and not the only of the top clubs who may be in need of a replacement manager. You have Real Madrid, you have Barcelona struggling, you have Paris Saint-Germain where Leonardo wants to get rid of, of uh, your friend Tam Tuchel. Um, you have issues in Italy as well. that There can be a number of jobs opening up. Um, we'll talk later in the, in the podcast about Manchester City. And Pochettino could be a candidate for all of those jobs. So if you're Manchester United and you're starting to think, actually, we might have to change Solskjaer after all, then you want to um, at least be made aware of what Pochettino is doing. Ask, and this is a very typical thing for a club to do, is say to a candidate, don't take another job without telling me. Uh, please let us know if you're going to make a decision. In fact, that's what happened with Jose Mourinho in Tottenham Hotspur, Real Madrid. Uh, Florentino Perez wanted Mourinho to come back in and replace uh, Zidane when the moment was right, and he told Mourinho not to take another job. Mourinho was seduced by Daniel Levy, the prospect of continuing in London, and he took that job. But this this sort of keep us aware of the scenario um, in case you are offered a job and then we will make a decision over whether we prepared to change now. It is not unusual in football. And here.
1: There is a, a dynamic involved um, in Football Duncan that we're both very familiar with. Um, and that is, uh, I want what you have or what you don't have. Uh, and in this case, it's a manager. Now, if you look at this from Pochettino's point of view, he has options, clearly. He's still very coveted, regardless of being out of work um, for almost a year. What does he think in terms of, you know, what do, if we we're going to go inside his head and say, right, you go to Manchester United as a low bar because they haven't won very many trophies in the last seven years, three, uh, as it happens. Uh, The squad is reasonable, but not brilliant. The Resources are certainly there, but will you get access to them? Or do you look at Manchester City, where resources are very good and certainly available, and the squad is much stronger in depth and in the first team, and you look at Real Madrid, Uh, similarly, and, of course, Paris Saint-Germain. As you say, big Tam's in a bit of trouble there as well. So you have to think, if if you have the choice between those clubs and what's going to be best for your next career step, step, what do you do? Because either you're taking on a big challenge where you're expected to produce, and by that I mean uh, all three of PSG City. Manchester United or do you step into the cauldron of Real Madrid where basically from week to week you probably don't actually know what's going on because the uh, politics are so complicated and also vindictive um, with regards to the dressing room the boardroom etc etc. Pochettio has always struck me as a very very considered and intelligent man who will make his choice So I'm just wondering that if United were trying to, I'm not saying uh, force him into a decision, but certainly rush him into the job, that Pochettino going to say to them, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I think he might have some sort
0: of definite
1: apprehensions
0: about taking that job. He's definitely considered, he's definitely strategic, he definitely has a long-term view of his career. Um, he's told friends of mine that he knows he will be a manager of Real Madrid. I mean, when he was having this conversation, it was about Real Madrid. But let's say he's he's opened his thinking to Barcelona now, and you saw him give an interview recently, kind of laying the, the, the pavement, if you like, in which he could get over past comments about Barcelona saying that he would never coach the club, and in case that job now opens up for him. But he has this idea that he will manage one of the top clubs in Spain at some point in his career, and I think he he is, his his guiding principle to this point has been let's let me do it at the right time. He is well aware of how quickly managers can come and go at Real Madrid, and he will, and he knows that they're in a precarious period at present. So it might not be the best time uh, to move there. If you ask me. <laughs> If all of those jobs are open to him, if he has the choice, Madrid, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United, Manchester City, then the, the obvious candidate is Manchester City. You move to the club with the, the best playing resources, with the most expensive squad in the history of the game, with a setup which is designed around a manager whose football isn't radically different from your own. So you could see Pochettino going in with that squad and that style of play that Manchester City have at the moment and adapting it um, relatively comfortably. Um, And you know you will be backed. And you know there are achievements there um, for you to, to, to reach that are accessible and will make you an historic figure in the club. So if he comes in and gets them to a Champions League final, which remember he has done in the period which Pep Guardiola has been at Manchester City and failed to get past the quarter-final, he will already have exceeded Guardiola's achievements on that stage. And you know, with that squad, the, the possibility of winning the Champions League, if you manage it well, is eminently um, accessible to them. So all things being equal, all jobs being offered at the same time, I'd say Manchester City was the best. But Manchester City is not going to open up um, or highly unlikely to open up before the end of the season when Guardiola's contract expires. And as you reported last week, Pochettino's getting a bit anxious and antsy and not enjoying the long period he's had out of the game. And so in maybe that considered strategy, um, strategic side of him, is is moved slightly to the side by the fact that he just wants to get back into his domain of managing a team, of being on the training ground every day, and you know that's what happened with Mourinho. Um, uh, people close to Mourinho advised him not to take the Tottenham job and wait for Madrid, but the opportunity to coach again in uh, the Premier League to live in London, where he's had a family home for over a decade. Uh, was too attractive to him and he he, he basically said, okay, I'm taking this um, because I'm ready and I want to get back to work. Maybe Manchester United can take advantage of that by being the ones who actually have a job available first and can say to uh, Pochettino, this is yours. And if you're Maurizio Pochettino, you, you, you have studied what Manchester United are doing and you know you can improve on what Solskjaer has achieved. You know you're a better manager than Uli Gunnar Solskjaer. You know your training is better. You're tactically better. You know you have more experience of coaching players of this level. So you can, you can back yourself to improve things. But you're right that Solskjaer is not the only problem about Manchester United. You have to deal with the Glazers. You have to deal with Ed Woodward. You have to deal with bad recruitment. You have to deal with these... Um, structural issues within the club which I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's had a conversation with Jose Mourinho about um, and you have to make, take into account I go there, I, yes I improve over Solskjaer but can I get to where I actually need to get to and one other factor I would add into this is with Manchester United you know you'll get time even though that they, they have dismissed Van Gaal dismissed Mourinho um, and probably are going to dismiss Solskjaer before too long if they have any sense. They have given all of those managers a significant period of time to to try and work. The, The exception here is David Moyes, but as you reported many years ago, David Moyes was not the Glazer's choice. He was not Edward Woodward's choice as manager. He was the stopgap that Alex Ferguson had to turn to when his attempt to an agreement to, with Jose Mourinho to come to Manchester United at that point fell through because Mourinho was seduced by Roman Abramovich in Chelsea and went back there instead.
1: And on that point, before we move to Manchester City and Pep Guardiola's future Duncan, um, there is a slight irony um, in the fact that Solskjaer goes to Everton to play against Carlo Ancelotti's team uh, this weekend And Ancelotti was in fact the Glazers' first choice uh, to replace Sir Alex Ferguson when he retired in two thousand and thirteen. Until Ferguson uh, demanded, as part of his retirement package, that he got to choose his successor. And as you said, Jose Mourinho was his first choice, uh, but that didn't work out, and so he went to David Moyes instead. But actually, the Glazers wanted Ancelotti, and indeed wanted Ancelotti again before they appointed Mourinho when they sacked Louis van Hal, but he was already ensconced elsewhere and would not move. So it is something of a, a sort of strange coincidence that Solskjaer make him under even more pressure um, this weekend if he loses to uh, the manager who the Glazers wanted in the first place.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating game and you, you expect that Ancelotti won't play the way Solskjaer wants him to play. So it's going to make it tough for him. And, you know, it's looking through some of these recent statistics, um, some, they've lost three of six Premier League games already this season. Um, they've not lost four of the first seven in a league campaign since 1989. Uh, they have lost three... Solskjaer's lost three out of five games at Old Trafford this season. That's as many as Mourinho lost in his entire first two seasons as Manchester United manager combined. Um, and this one's really fascinating. Only three games since June, since the end of June, that they've won without being awarded a penalty in them, and that, and that's Brighton in the League Cup, basically Brighton reserves. Lask in Europa League, and Lask were already out from the. Uh, the, the first leg defeat, Crystal Palace, last season. So it shows that dependency uh, on penalties and, and some of the decisions he's been making as well. So it, the, to drop David De Gea after the Arsenal defeat, for me, was bizarre because De Gea has responded well to having Dean Henderson pushing him. Um, that The strategy Solskjaer decided and proposed to follow there has worked well, I think, of giving... Henderson a new contract and saying you can compete for the, the starting uh, place with De Gea um, but De Gea has dropped because of the defeat to Arsenal When he, I, as far as I can see he made no mistake in that game um, and they lost to a penalty um, and, then, and then to stick with the diamond formation because the diamond formation worked uh, against Leipzig um, that, for me that's what you see with managers who are out of their depth to a certain extent. They they click upon a formation that works in a certain game and they decide to repeat that, um, not having made the calculation of why it worked in that given game and, and not made the calculation that the next opponent is is going to play a, di- a completely different setup to the one that it worked against. And uh, probably the diamond, which is something that they'd hardly ever used, is not going to work for them. Um, it leaves them. Solsha has always talked about how he wants to play with pace and width, sure. and, and wingers. When he plays that diamond, it's very narrow. You're using um, Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka to provide the width, and neither of them are great um, deliverers of balls. You know, both can get up and down the wing, but the, the, their uh, ability to provide crosses. Or passes into the centre create goals is not one of their strengths.
1: So, Manchester United under pressure as they go into this weekend's fixture against Everton, and we will obviously be dissecting uh, the outcome of that in next week's transfer window podcast. At the same time, uh, we have received information having spoken to a couple of uh, very senior, influential, and uh, important agents in Europe uh, about Manchester City's uh, recruitment plans for both January and next summer. Uh, One in particular has reported to us that there is an issue um, specifically with inquiries about uh, Lotaro martinez Um, Obviously, uh, with Sergio Aguero out once more and suffering from injury, which seems to be part of uh, his, obviously, aging process and the fact that he has um, got a lot of miles on the clock, as you would say, about a Ford Cortina Mark II, um, or indeed even Sam Allardyce's Granada, uh, that He needs to be replaced. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, as Duncan has reported in the past, uh, has not developed in the way that City hoped he would. And so they're looking for a ready-made replacement for Aguero as their point striker. So our information is that uh, in informal conversations um, about Martinez with his representatives, um, they were asked about who would be the coach. for the coming season, 2021-2022, and that City were unable to answer that question on the basis that uh, Peter Guardiola's contract expires at the end of this season, and that uh, invitations which have been made to extend that contract have been declined so far, and therefore they are in a state of... um, Stasis with knowing who the coach will be for the season after this one. Uh, Duncan, this comes back to um, our conversation with both Pochettino and Allegri, but you can see why a couple at Manchester City who are trying to catch up on Liverpool in terms of recruitment strategy, where Liverpool have excelled in the past three years, um, are having difficulties. Uh, when they can't even tell players who are their main targets who the coach might be?
0: Yeah, I think this is it's a difficult situation for Manchester City. Um, they are a club that work on these transfer targets well in advance. They have a proper director of football structure. They talk uh, and, and unearth the information about their targets. They put deals in motion early on. Um, you can look at Ruben Gius, um which Manchester City had been working on for months um, ahead of, of doing that deal when they found that they could get it for a cheaper price than Benfica had been quoting them uh, pre COVID. Um, but if you have these conversations and you're in a position where you're unsure about the manager's future, you, you kind of can go three ways. You can refuse to, to give an answer, you can lie and say, um, we, We're sure that Guardiola is going to stay. don't worry about it. He will be the coach with the potential repercussions that will have if Guardiola disappears in the summer or or announces he's leaving earlier than that. Uh, it's not a good way to start off in a player you're planning to invest, you know, over 100 million pounds in uh when you factor in uh, wages on top of transfer fee. Or you can tell the truth and, and say, we're not sure about Guardiola's future. But if you tell the truth, then there's a danger that that leaks out, um, through the agent or friends of the player. Uh, and then you have the issue of, well, actually, uh, uh City don't even know if Guardiola's going to stay or potentially if you, if they know at some point during the season that Guardiola is going to leave and they tell, again, tell the agent that before it's become public knowledge, that can be problematic. So it, it is, a difficult one to handle and it's an unusual problem for Chiqui Bergiristan in Manchester City because Guardiola has been there a long time. Even before Guardiola came, they uh, had a very good idea that he was going to come. I mean, he, he, he had accepted the deal over six months in advance of moving to Manchester City, but preceding that still, there had been conversations and there was an expectation that when he left Bayern Munich, he would come to Manchester City. They worked on that basis. They were signing players a year in advance, um, like Raheem Sterling, on the basis that they would suit um, Pep Guardiola's managerial style and would suit the squad that they wanted to build for him. So, yeah, it's a different situation for Manchester City. It's a more difficult situation, but I'm not sure I'm going to cry for them because they still have more cash on tap um, from their Abu Dhabi owners. Uh, in order to convince these people to come to the club. And as we both know, generally in these conversations with players that you want to sign, um, the ultimate deciding factor when you're that status of club, when you're in in that top tier of clubs, is going to be how much money can you pay for the transfer fee? How much money can you pay for the agent's fee? How much money can you pay to the player?
1: Very true um, in terms of the deciding factors and transfers, Duncan. But if you're citing players who, as I said about Martinez, will hit their ground running, so an established player in a big league, um, which uh, you know, or at least the risk factor in buying the player is reduced, then you kind of expect him to want to know who the coach is going to be. He probably wants to speak to the coach before deciding or not to move. He wants to know what's expected of him. He wants to know what position he's going to be playing. He wants to know that he'll be first choice. Um, and he wants to know, you know, effectively look you in the whites of your eyes and get a good grip on what the ambition of the club is as well, because that's going to be his ambition and he needs that to be matched. So I agree with you with regards to um, the financial aspects of a contract. The transfer fee doesn't really matter to the player. Obviously, it only matters to the club that he's being sold from. But uh, I think it is important for established players to know the philosophy of the coach, to trust the coach. Uh, We've seen many transfers go wrong um and and in big money transfers for that matter, uh, where a player's gone uh there and has either not done his uh background checks, if you like, on the coach, or hasn't spoken to the coach and therefore believes that um somehow things will click when when he gets there and everything will be okay, and it turns out to be a nightmare. Um and of course things don't work out well. So at a club like Manchester City, I think that these are important factors Um, and I think what we can safely assume is that Lotharo Martinez um, is not the only player who is currently having discussions with Chiki Pagueristan, the sport director at Manchester City, about a move to Manchester in the next few months and This is a question which will be asked by not just him but by other players as well when it comes to recruitment um, with regards to how City rebuild.
0: Absolutely, it's an it's an important question, and and you wonder even if if Manchester City are um, genuinely unsure of Guardiola's intentions um, if Chiki Perkis and genuinely genuinely doesn't know whether he will remain or whether they're we're actually working on the basis that you will go, we genuinely doesn't know maybe maybe one of the the tactics would be to put Guardiola in contact with agent and player um who is not a primary uh target I maybe a secondary or tertiary target for them and and then find out from the agent and the player what Guardiola said about his future do a bit of um information gathering on on that basis
1: <laughs> so good, employing the the, the player himself as a kind of um, subterfuge type <laughs> agent to find out if is going to stay or not well
0: sneakier things have been done in football
1: that's very true that is very true um okay I'm going to stick my neck on the line here which which of course is not um uh very often in the transfer window podcast that we do this but I'm I'm going to stick my neck out and say that Guardiola will not be Manchester City manager next season uh, and also that if he's asked that question by a player, he will tell them that. And if not, he can always call his brother, who's his agent, Per Guardiola, and he will probably tell them that as well. Unless, of course, it's his client. Um, <laughs> and he's and he's going somewhere else, like, well, I don't know, New York City. Uh, let's see. Duncan, we um, revealed on Tuesday's podcast that um, Son uh, Hoi-min agents had met with uh, our old friend Daniel Leverage um, uh, for dinner uh, on Tuesday night uh, this week to discuss the player's new contract. Um, A stunning start to the season uh, for the South Korean international and one which has produced the second highest number of goals and assists in the history of the Premier League with Harry Kane. It's our information that uh, Son, uh, who is an extremely popular member of the Tottenham dressing room, has told his captain, Harry Kane, that he expects to sign a new deal in the coming days. can you update us on that in terms of where the negotiations are and how they are progressing?
0: Yeah, I'm told that the meeting between Levy and CAA went well um, on Tuesday. Uh, they went on to the Novikov restaurant in London. Um, it's very important for Jose Mourinho to, to get this deal done. He, he understands the, the quality he has an attack, the partnership that's been built between son and kane um you know slightly different tactical use of the two with kane playing further back now and, and providing more of the chances for son who's started off with a you know seven seven premier league games eight goals two assists uh, and ha- has been a sort of con- constant trajectory of improvement for for several years now so he has what a contract to 2023 his status is so high in the game, and he's at that age of twenty-eight, where you could see a player. and um, you know, we look to Mohamed Salah and um and Sani um, at Liverpool, and we see they're ahead of, I would say, ahead of Son in that trajectory. But you see them eyeing moves to Madrid and Barcelona, and you know that big final career pay off uh, and switch to another league and it would not be untypical for a player of Son's status to do the same. And that can be disruptive, um, and it obviously it has, has an issue for long-term planning, and can also end up uh, in increasing the ultimate cost of of retaining the player. So Mourinho would like to see this tied down. As you say, Son has told teammates he's happy at, at Tottenham. He sees himself winning titles there. So... Um, I think there's pressure from Mourinho and Levy to get it completed, uh, and they are, from what I understand, it's not done, but it's headed very much in that direction. Um, interesting sort of side uh, to those conversations with CAA. CAA aren't primarily a, a players' agency; they're more involved in commercial work, and I've uh, actually dealt with Mourinho's co- Hollywood agents, aren't
1: they? They, they? they represent lots of Hollywood stars.
0: American-based company, yes, and LA, yeah, uh, commercial advertising sponsorship is a big part of their work. I'm told that conversations on Tuesday weren't purely about Son's contract. They also involved discussion about naming rights for uh, the infamous naming rights lane, which uh, is still without that uh, sponsor's uh, name painted on the top of it. And that famous... I
1: thought you were going to say there that it would be naming rights for Son. So
0: <laughs> well, it's Daniel Levy. You never know. You never know. He might have you, never inclu- know. <laughs> you never know. He might have included that, that in, in discussions. There's always an extra uh, dollar to be made. But, um, yeah, the, the famous mock-ups of the stadium before it was built with naming rights... Um, scrawled over the roof. Um, they haven't managed to get those namings rights yet. The, the information is that Levy thinks he can get up to £25 million a year for a, a, a 10-year contract, um, which is very significant extra revenue for the club. If he manages to do that in a post-COVID environment, it would be highly impressive. But um, you can understand why he would be bringing that into conversations with CEA uh, kind of broadening the net and and hoping they can help them land that uh, that extra revenue to to pay for son's new contract,
1: never a man to miss out on a leverage opportunity that has to be said is our friend Daniel so Duncan, we move on to that time of the week that we um absolutely uh, adore. Um, It's not quite awards season yet, but it's awards season every Friday on the Transfer Window podcast. So it's time for the donkey. And there can be absolutely no debate about what is um, the influence and inspiration for our donkey this week. Because it is and has to be the Donald Trump liar, liar, pants on fire award for barefaced misleading and indeed deception uh, regarding his remarks in the wake of uh polling day closing in the u.s election uh, seven national news networks had and were forced and felt they had to close down their broadcast of a press conference because of the current president's Uh, lack of accuracy regarding um, the polling situation in the US. But that's okay, because we can make light of it, because that's what we do. And I'm going to transfer that into football, as we always do. So the Donald Trump liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm going to open up the uh, infamous golden envelope, which one day, I'm sure, uh, former President Donald Trump will hope to uh see himself, and did he may well request one? Uh, here we go. So
0: it's not a golden shower envelope, is it?
1: Ooh, I'll put that one to our lawyers. Uh here we go. So we have three sensational, and I have to say, this is probably the most star-studded lineup we've had, Duncan, for a while, with regards to um our contenders. So uh uh, and also, I have to say, one of the funniest ones. Uh, for those of you uh, out there who have not heard this story, um, Harry Redknapp, when he was manager of West Ham, took uh, the then ranger striker Marco Negri on, not on trial as such, but kind of on trial, with a view to a transfer. Um, so he, they were at the old Chadwell uh, Heath training ground uh, where basically the press could see training happening. And uh, Harry had come off the training pitch to do the press conference. Uh, several of those trained observers, uh, colleagues of Duncan and I's, had noticed that Marco Negri was there training on the pitch. And so therefore, of course, they said, what's the script with Marco Negri, Harry? Is he going to be signing for West Ham? And Harry said, well, I don't know where you got that from. Who's, who's Marco Negri? Not sure about that. At which point, they said, well, he's out there training, so... Oh, yeah, Marco Negri! Yeah, yeah, good lad, top, top player, said Harry. So he's our first nomination <laughs> for the liar, liar, Pants and Fire. The second is Pep Guardiola, who has been outed on this particular podcast on several occasions uh, for the fact that he went on the record claiming that he had never in his career asked a player to tactically foul an opponent only then to be found out on the was it netflix duncan amazon. Amazon. amazon amazon prime documentary uh anyway i'll let duncan explain that one when he does his uh winner award and of course sir alex ferguson my personal favorite who Uh, when confronted with a barrage of rumours that Real Madrid were going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo uh, from United in 2007, uh, said, I would not sell Madrid a virus. Now, whether or not Cristiano Ronaldo is a virus, um, he certainly tested positive for COVID-19 recently, but I don't think that counts to go way back to 2008. Duncan? Yes. All up to you.
0: Well, Harry Redknapp must have a, a an absolute shower of uh, potential entries to this uh, Donald Trump liar liar award. Um, but I think he's beaten to this one. Sir Alex Ferguson, to be fair to him, he didn't sell Real Madrid a virus. He sold him his best player, so he was actually being honest in this one, which is not wasn't always Ferguson's um, press conference style. Um, But I think this is a clear Pep Guardiola um, when, as you say, uh, continually refuses to admit that he uh, instructs his team to foul opponents early, has done it throughout his entire managerial career. It's probably one of the defining features of his management and playing style um, central to allowing his teams to attack in the way they do and the the beautiful football they create going forward, but they are... um, yeah, a cynical. It's a cynical way of playing. Um, Guardiola won't admit that he's done it, but he's been caught um in that Amazon uh documentary that you have the coaches instructing the players to foul early, and you have various assistants of his talking in interviews about how it was fundamental and they, they have I think a uh, uh, I think it varies between a three, four, and five second rule in terms of if you can't get the ball back uh with a, a legal tackle take the player down, so uh, Pep Guardiola and Donald Trump together, I wonder if um, I wonder if Sky will ever get to a point where they have to stop Pep Guardiola in mid-flow and live television because uh, what he's saying is clearly uh, deviating from the truth.
1: Well, given that we expect them to join MLS with New York City at um, some point soon, then perhaps they will have that opportunity. Uh... <laughs> If he runs for election in the U.S. as well. Uh, There we go. Uh, Pep Guardiola wins this week's Trump Liar Liar Pants on Fire donkey Award. Um, We will be packaging that up and sending it to the great man in Manchester. And uh, this has been, obviously, Friday's Transfer Window Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. You can subscribe to the Transfer Window podcast on YouTube. Please turn on your notifications and that way you will find out when the next podcast is available. Join the discussion. You know, we love to engage with you. Uh, And you can find us on at Transfer Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And obviously you can find Duncan at, at Duncan Castles and myself at Garbo SJ. We will be back with you next week. Until then, it just leaves me to say thanks for listening, be well, stay safe, see you next week.